Welcome to the Polygamer Podcast, where gaming is for everyone. Join us as we expand the boundaries of the gaming community. I'm your host, Ken Gagney. This week on Polygamer... When you put on a costume, it can almost be like putting on a mask, and you can be just this entirely different person. That's Emma Bell, an accomplished, talented, and diverse cosplayer whom I had the pleasure of meeting at PAX East 2014. I was standing in the hallway walking past the Bioware room when I came across somebody dressed as a purple alien. Since I've never played Mass Effect 2 before, I confess, I didn't recognize Arya Talok, but I did recognize the supreme skill and dedication that this person had put into a fantastic costume. It was literally jaw-dropping. I asked her, do you work for Bioware? Because I couldn't believe that somebody who was quote-unquote just a fan would put that much effort into something so astounding. But she was just a fan. She was there to enjoy being at PAX East dressed as one of her favorite characters from Mass Effect 2. I took some photos of her, then asked if she would pose for some photos with me, one of which was my Facebook cover photo for many months. And that photo is also one that I posted on Twitter, asking, who is this person? And that person is Emma Bell, who you can find on Twitter and Facebook as Emma Bellish. E-M-M-A-B-E-L-L-I-S-H. There is, as always, a link in the show notes. With PAX Prime 2015 coming up, I want to know more about this art and its practitioners who contribute so much to so many events. People who dress up as their favorite characters, often designing from scratch their costumes to appear at these events. And to know what motivates them to pour hundreds of hours and dollars into these costumes. Not only that, but how do the other attendees at these events respond to these costumes? I've heard many a report of events at PAX and other conventions where some well-meaning individuals and some trolls take advantage of cosplayers whose costumes sometimes are as revealing as the characters that they are meant to represent. Remember, many female characters in games are designed by men for men, and sometimes that perception inappropriately carries over into real life with cosplay. Cosplay is a talent I have none of, and so this episode assumes you don't either. So if you're interested in knowing what is cosplay and how to get into it, this is the podcast for you. This is the first of two interviews I'll be conducting this month leading up to PAX Prime, the next being with Benjamin Williams, who organizes the diversity lounge that is present at each of the PAXs. Unfortunately, I myself will not be at PAX Prime. Although I did qualify for a press badge, I had to choose where to spend my travel time and money. Ultimately, I chose to go instead to Gamer X3, or GX3, which is occurring in San Jose, California, this December 11th to the 13th, 2015. That event is, of course, co-founded by Matt Kahn, who was the very first guest on the very first episode of Polygamer, and I'm looking forward to finally meeting him in person. I'm told there will be several other people who have been on this show as well, at GamerX, so I'm looking forward to reuniting with them. In the meantime, you can find me at at least one gaming convention per month for the rest of calendar year 2015. In August, I'll be at Game Loop in Cambridge, Mass. In September, I'll be at Boston Fig in Cambridge, Mass. In October, I'll be at Retro World Expo in Wallingford, Connecticut. In November, I'll be at Retro Game Con in Syracuse, New York. And then finally, GamerX in December. Phew! That is quite the slate. And if you want to know more about podcasting, I'll be speaking at a convention in Lexington, Massachusetts, on October 17th, called What I Make. It is a series of talks and workshops by artists for budding artists about all the different kinds of art that they create and how they do it. 
I originally pitched a panel on YouTube videos, but then it turned out that the workshop to show people how to make YouTube videos wasn't really feasible, at least in my mind, when you have to equip everybody with expensive hardware to show them how to shoot a video. So I decided to go the podcasting route instead, because this podcast is edited in Audacity, which is free, and anybody who brings their laptop to the convention can download Audacity for free, install it, and we'll walk through how to do it, as well as the best practices for interviewing and storytelling. There will be links to all these events in the show notes for this episode, which you can find at polygamer.net. And you can also find links to our Facebook, Google+, and Twitter accounts, as well as our iTunes listing, where you can leave a review for the show, which will help other people find Polygamer and spread the word about equality and diversity in gaming. If you're going to be attending any of the conventions I mentioned, please drop me a line so that we can meet up at one of the events. I'd love to meet you. And if you are going to PAX Prime, keep an eye out for Emma Bell, the fantastic cosplayer whose interview you're about to hear. Today I have the extreme honor of speaking with Emma Bell, a renowned cosplayer. Hello, Emma. Hey there, how's it going? Good. It's lovely to be chatting with you without you pointing a gun at my head. (laughs) It's a nice change. Well, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And thank you also for taking time out of your busy schedule. You have a couple of big conventions coming up in August, correct? Yeah, um, I'm going to a couple of conventions, uh, a local one here in Vancouver called Anime Revolution, and then I'm also going to be going to PAX Prime down in Seattle. And those are pretty accessible to you? You're on the West Coast, correct? Yeah, um, I'm again, I'm in Vancouver, uh, so Seattle's about a three-hour drive south, which is really not that bad. <laughs> oh, great. You can load all your props into a car and just drive on down. Yeah, not having to worry about airline baggage fees, and that is also really nice. <laughs> I'm sure the TSA gives you some funny looks. Yeah, I actually haven't flown that much with many of my costumes. Really, I think PAX East was the only one where I kind of ran into any problems, and that wasn't even with any of my um, my costumes. <laughs> it was more with my makeup case. Yes, I can definitely see that you might not want that on your carry-on. No. Well, it was even, um, I had my makeup case in my checked bag, but apparently they don't like metal boxes uh, traveling through the air, so they have to rip them apart and scan them, uh, which was really unfortunate and messy. (laughs) Oh dear, well I'm still, I'm glad you were nonetheless able to make it, because of course PAX East is where we met. Yes, yeah, yeah. So I want to talk to you all about cosplaying and conventions and the like, but before we do that, let's back up a bit for those who are just coming on the ground floor. Can you explain what is cosplay? Uh, So cosplay is basically uh, dressing up as a character, be it from like a video game or a TV series or an anime series or a movie. It's basically just dressing up as a character and celebrating your love for that character or series or what have you. Do the costumes have to be homemade? Oh, absolutely not. Um, There's tons of cosplayers out there that buy their costumes. Some people will claim, or it's kind of a little bit of a controversy within the community. Some people claim that just because like, if someone bought a costume, they're not, quote, a real cosplayer. But, um, I mean, really, the cosplay comes from the words costume and play and it's really just about having fun and celebrating your love for a series or character or just costume in general so when my seven-year-old nephew dresses up as batman for halloween is that cosplay uh yeah it can be i mean typically cosplay tends to take place more at um conventions but i there's no reason why you couldn't call that cosplay Hmm. so how did you get into cosplaying 
Um, so I kind of started making costumes before I really knew what cosplay was. Uh, back when they were still releasing like the Harry Potter movies and Lord of the Rings movies in theaters, my friends and I used to make costumes to go to these movie releases. Eventually, things just kind of snowballed, and I found out that there were these geeky conventions that like nerds used to congregate at. And it seemed kind of like a natural leap forward to just wear a costume to that. And that was when I found out that there's all these other people that also make costumes and kind of converge in this one area. Um, so that was really awesome. How did you learn how to cosplay and to make all these costumes? You weren't just buying them off the store shelf. I'm basically self-taught. Uh, I started cosplaying when I was about 16. And um, originally, I just kind of used the internet and researched a lot um, about how to sew, how to make things. Like, my mom had bought me a sewing machine for Christmas at one point when I was a teenager. And I just kind of started experimenting. Um, originally, I would buy, like, items from thrift stores and just alter them to uh, suit what I needed. But as I learned to sew and got more experience, I started just kind of branching out and making things completely from scratch. Eventually, I just loved making costumes so much, I decided to study fashion design, which kind of even further increased my knowledge about how to sew and construct garments. So what you're saying is that if you really want to be a good cosplayer, you have to go to college for it. No, absolutely <laughs> not. Um, especially these days, there is so much information available online um, about how, like anything that I learned in college could literally be learned online um, just with proper construction techniques and how to sew. And I mean... You can get sewing patterns from stores that give you detailed step-by-step -step instructions on how to like cut and sew and assemble um, these garments that may require a little bit of alteration, but um, will get you like really far. How much of your costumes would you say are original as opposed to following these downloaded instructions? These days, I uh, draft um, like 100% of my costumes for the most part. Uh, I don't really like using uh, pre-made patterns just because I find that there's often um, like a lot of fit problems. Whereas when I'm drafting my own costumes, I know exactly how it's going to fit. And um, it, it just, I find it easier to make my own patterns than to have to alter someone else's pattern that's already pre-made. Do you open source your patterns after you've created your own so that other people People can replicate it? I sometimes do. I've actually offered uh, some of my patterns for sale as well. Um, I'm self-employed and so I'm always looking for other like new ways to kind of uh, make money. And so I have sold some of my patterns in the past before. If it's something simple, I will post up instructions or tutorials about how I made something as well. Do I understand correctly from another Q&A that you did on YouTube that you run an embroidery business? Yeah. Um, uh, my husband and I run a, a small business on Etsy together. And, and that is what you do full time when you say you're self-employed? Yes, that's correct. Wow. So all your cosplaying is practically advertising for your work. Uh, yeah, that's basically how it started. Because um, I originally had made, I made a cosplay Facebook page about uh, three years ago at this point. Um, and I'd been cosplaying a lot longer than that. But by that point, I had kind of worked up the courage to 
develop an online presence because before I'd been way too shy to handle that. And um, from there, I've just kind of, yeah, I've been using that as a, a tool to um, also market my embroidery business because we sell a lot of geeky like patch designs and we do embroidery for cosplay and that kind of stuff. So when people ask you what you do for a living, do you say, I'm a professional cosplayer? No, <laughs> I say I run a custom embroidery business. Because I think I saw that you do sell some, for example, molds and heads for various aliens. Yeah, I mean, the costume that you originally met me in was um, Arya Talok from the Mass Effect series. And I originally made a uh, headpiece for that, uh, that I do sell uh, blanks of. So basically, I made the original headpiece and... Um, the way that works is you sculpt it out of clay and then you mold it and then you can basically pull multiple copies from that mold. And so I'll sell copies of that on a semi-regular basis. Um, I don't really advertise it a lot, but people will often get in contact with me and ask me if I sell them just because it's a more complicated piece to make for a costume. Do you do custom work upon request? It really depends. Uh, I've found that I'm a perfectionist and so I spend way too long sewing uh, costumes uh, to really make any decent money at it. Um, I just, I, I take too long to make them basically. And so I find it's easier to sell copies of things I've already made. Like um, uh, there's a, a necklace that I sell copies of from uh, uh, Morgan from Dragon Age and Dragon Age Inquisition. And um, it's just, it's a little bit easier to sell uh, bits and pieces and accessories of costumes rather than selling the whole thing. Does that mean most of what you sell is designed to fit a specific body type? Well, not really. Uh, if I'm selling patterns, then typically, yes, they're based off of my size, but it's also not too complicated to alter patterns to fit other body types. Um, but when I say, like, I sell uh, accessories, it's more like buckles or um, costume jewelry or, again, the headpieces that are more of a, like, one-size-fits-all type of deal. What about choosing the costumes that you want to play as in the first place? Do you find that your particular body type or facial structure lends itself well to certain costumes or characters? Um, I mean, I don't usually uh, pay too much attention to what my body type, uh, like to how that affects the costume. Generally, when I am picking a character, uh, it's because I love the character or I love the design or I love the series. Um, and if my body type happens to suit that character, then great. But if it doesn't, I'll just do what I can to make it work. Um, it's more about I, re I really want to cosplay characters that I love and am really enthusiastic about. Otherwise, why would I spend hundreds of hours working on a costume for them? Because there are certainly trolls out there who will say a certain cosplayer is the wrong height or weight or skin tone for a certain character and that they shouldn't be cosplaying as those characters, which can be very limiting. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I've gotten comments on Reddit about my Aria costume, for that matter. Um, I've had people tell me that I'm too short and my face is too fat and uh, blah de blah I mean, it doesn't really matter in the end. I'm happy with my body type. I don't really care about my height. It's not something I can change. So I'm, I'm not going to let comments like that bother deter me. Wait a minute, the, the costume you were wearing when we met, people have had anything negative to say about that? 
Yes, they did. <laughs> that is ridiculous to me because maybe it's because I haven't played that particular Mass Effect game, but when I saw you in costume, I maybe I need to know more cosplayers, but I was astounded that anybody who wasn't being paid by BioWare could be that invested and that talented to craft such a superb costume. There's, I mean, when you get down to it, you're never going to please everyone. And I've gotten so much overwhelming support for that particular costume that any negative comments are just kind of like, eh, whatever. Especially when it's about something that I can't really change, like my height. Um, It's really kind of irrelevant. Has there ever been a character or a costume that you were really passionate about, but you looked at their outfit and said, I think that might be too complicated for me? There hasn't really been anything like that so far. I tend to look at complicated costumes more of a challenge. Typically, what will affect my choice is how expensive it's going to be. And that's kind of what limits me. Uh, There's a costume that I would love to make, and it's uh, the Butcher from Diablo 3. But it's such a huge undertaking because it's like an eight-foot tall giant like mound of muscle and it it would be absolutely nuts just like the uh the different techniques that i would need to do that so i it's kind of on the back burner but i would still love to make it at some point for blizzcon so are there techniques that you have yet to master that you would like to add to your skill repertoire Oh, absolutely. Um, I mean, one of the things that I really love about cosplay and that's kind of kept me going over the years is just learning all of these different techniques. Um, Like when I first started out, it was just learning uh, different ways of how to sew things. Like the first time I ever learned how to gather fabric, my mind was blown and it was like, I can apply this to so many new costumes. And um, kind of just over the years, I've kind of gotten more into like makeup and uh, prosthetics and uh, armor making and um, like for the butcher what I would need to do is um, I want to use um, like uh, furniture foam and latex and that kind of stuff and I'd love to be able to do like adding in um, I'm not sure I can't remember what it's called basically make it so that his mouth would move when I'm talking and like make him be able to blink and um, just add those kind of electronic things to it as well Um, one of the things that I don't have a lot of experience with is like uh, adding lights and LEDs and again electronics to costumes and that's something that I'd love to branch into as well this all sounds extremely complicated. I mean, you're talking about animatronics, which most people associate with either like Muppets or Disney theme parks. Yes. <laughs> that all sounds not only complicated, but also quite expensive. It is. Again, it's just something like I love learning about new things and just how you can apply those types of uh, skill sets to costumes. And it's like that's one of the things that's always kept me going is just learning all these different techniques and seeing how you can blow someone's mind on the show floor just with that like little extra uh, in your costume. Some people, I imagine, would like to be doing cosplay, but they may not have an embroidery business that they can consider it a business expense. How does one find the revenue or the savings to invest in such an expensive hobby? Um, It doesn't have to be expensive. I mean, I was cosplaying for years before I started uh, the embroidery business, and I actually found it easier when I was working full-time because I had more funds to, uh, to kind of contribute to it. 
But, um, I mean, when you're first starting out, there's no reason why you can't just go to a thrift store and um, pick out some articles that are similar to what you need for the costume and then add on to them. I mean, you could easily make a, a smaller costume for 40 or $50 and some hard work, and it's, it's not that bad. That's one of the things I've always wondered about the 501st, the Star Wars troop. Mm-hmm, yeah. I mean, their costumes are so detailed and seemingly so authentic that I wouldn't even know where to begin how to craft such a thing for myself, but it looks like so much fun. Yeah, I mean, the 501st actually has resources dedicated to helping people make screen-accurate costumes, because that's one of their really big things, is your costumes need to be screen-accurate in order to be a part of the 501st. Um, so they have tons of resources available to help you. Um, people sell kits of how to... Uh, basically, they're... Um, that, that, they're pre-made costume pieces that you can buy and then kind of assemble and put the finishing touches on so you can paint them, sand them down. Um, so those are available as well. Um, but again, for, if you're just starting out and you're not really worried about screen, like perfectly screen accurate, there's tons of other alternatives to, uh, to starting out. You don't have any Star Wars costumes yourself, do you? I don't. Um, I've got a couple that I would like to make, but I, it, it's not a huge fandom for me, so it's never really been the top of my priority list. I imagine we'll be seeing a surge in that genre's popularity after Episode Seven comes out. Oh, absolutely. Um, I think also with like the Clone Wars and the Star Wars Rebels series that have been going on, there's been a lot of cosplay coming out of that as well lately. So what are some of your favorite games or genres to cosplay as? You mentioned some Bioware and Blizzard games. Are those your favorite kinds of games to play that then inspire you to cosplay? Um, you know, I tend to... like. I play the games first, and then I'll pick costumes out of those afterwards. Um, I am absolutely a massive Bioware fan, um, particularly of the uh, the Dragon Age and Mass Effect series. And, um, I mean, Dragon Age Origins is kind of what introduced me to current gaming. Um, I had played some games when I was younger, but that was kind of what really put me kind of threw me in and got me started on gaming over the past five or six years but i mean there's other games like borderlands i would love to make a costume from because they have just such a unique art style in it as well i like to make something from um the old republic star wars game and i mean uh i'm also i haven't started it yet but i really want to make something from um knights of the old republic as well Ah, so you would be getting into Star Wars after all. Yeah, I mean, we'll see. Again, it hasn't been the top of my priority list, but you never know. Then again, with the new Mass Effect announcement, I might end up making something from that. <laughs> uh, for those who missed it, what is the new Mass Effect announcement? Uh, so they recently at E3 announced uh, Mass Effect Andromeda. Um, which is going to be the fourth Mass Effect game, and it's kind of, it's separate from the first trilogy, but um, it's definitely something I'm looking forward to, especially with um, what a good job they did on Dragon Age Inquisition, so I'm really excited to see where they go with that series. Do you suspect that any of the characters you cosplay as now will be reappearing in this new game? It's very unlikely. They've kind of stated that, uh, I mean, the original series all kind of revolved around Commander Shepard, who was uh, the main playable character. And they've kind of stated that that uh, character's story is done. And this other series, I believe, takes place um, three or four hundred years after the fact in a completely different galaxy. 
Um, so while there is a possibility that some of the characters may make appearances because some of the alien species in that game live for a thousand years, um, it's pretty unlikely that um, many of the characters are going to be making appearances. So all new characters to be inspired by. Exactly. And hopefully new alien races as well, because that's also something that's really fun to make and is uh, something that I I really have like kind of glommed on to making like alien masks and headpieces and that. Um, it's like making prosthetics like that is a lot of fun. So I'm really hoping to be inspired by what they've got. I imagine for a first time cosplayer, aliens might be a little ambitious. They might want to try a human to start with. Yeah, and it's not like you're really short on um, humans that are available to cosplay as. There's so much out there, whether it's from like the Marvel movies or um, like pretty much any video game or anime series as well. When you talk about how many existing options there are out there, there's obviously been a lot of discussion the past year or two about the number of grizzled old white men who are protagonists in games. Do you find that one gender or the other has a advantage when choosing somebody to cosplay as? Um, you know, yes and no. I mean, one of the things about cosplay is you don't necessarily have to have gender limiting you. Like, I've cosplayed uh, male characters before, and I've had a lot of fun doing it. So you don't really have to be limited by that. Um, you can have just as much fun learning how to contour your face to look more masculine or uh, learning about like beard, like applying fake beards and that kind of stuff. Um, so you really don't have to be limited by gender. Who are some of the male characters you've cosplayed as? So, uh, let's see, there was uh, a character called Delandau from an anime series um, called Escaflone is one that I've done more recently. Um, I also cosplayed as Cole from Dragon Age Inquisition. Um, and those are the only two I can think of off the top of my head, but there might be more. <laughs> now, your husband, Coco, he also cosplays? Um, he does. I'd say he more humors my cosplay habits <laughs> than is a cosplayer himself. Um, I have made costumes. Oh, originally I made costumes for him and he humored me and wore them to conventions with me. Um, but over the years, he's actually started working on his own costumes as well. He likes to make really big elaborate costumes and usually only makes one every couple of years though. So he, he tends to kind of go all in and that get, gets burnt out for a while. <laughs> Do you two coordinate your cosplays? Um, yeah, when we do cosplay together, um, one of the big ones that we did was uh, I made Ariel and he made Imperius, who are archangels from the Diablo series, and we did that for BlizzCon a couple of years ago. Um, we're planning on making some Overwatch cosplays, again, from Blizzard. He's a really big Blizzard fan, and I love the designs from uh, Blizzard games, so we often do that together. Um, we're also working on or looking into doing a, um, uh, an, a couple of armor sets from the Berserk manga series as well. So I have a friend who was cosplaying at PAX East these last few years as Luca from Chrono Trigger, and she then went on. <laughs> uh, you, you like that one? Yeah, my husband and I, a couple of weeks ago, were actually talking about making a frog and Luca costume together for PAX this year. That'd be awesome. Yeah. <laughs> uh, one of the nice things about going as a character from Chrono Trigger, though, is that you can usually go to a convention and find somebody else dressed as one of the other characters. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. So she went just as Luca, and I think she found, like, three different frogs at PAX East. Yeah, yeah. She actually won a contest from the company that makes Strife, which is a MOBA, 
Mm-hmm. And uh, she's now playing as Tiny Tina from Borderlands 2 at events lately. Her Facebook page is Mink the Seder. Have you been recognized for any of your amazing cosplays? Um, yeah, I mean, Blizzard has actually um, kind of given us a shout out before uh, for our... Um, our Archangel costumes, which was kind of amazing. And then um, BioWare has also kind of recognized uh, some of my costumes as well. It's always really exciting when the creators of the costume that you made, um, like just kind of acknowledge your handiwork and um, are really impressed by it. So that's always really awesome. Do you cosplay competitively? I do. And I have Uh, it depends on uh kind of what's going on and where i'm at at that point i have won some competitions in the past uh i don't really try and take them too seriously though uh i honestly find my favorite part about cosplaying competitively like for competitions is actually like that hour and a half in the green room before the competition starts and you get to meet all of the other competitors and just talk shop with them and see how they made their costumes and uh just it's a lot of fun and you get to meet a lot of really like-minded people and um that's kind of one of my favorite parts about competing i mean it's really cool going up on stage and showing off your hard work as well but meeting new friends in the green room is definitely my favorite aspect of it. That sounds consistent with what my friend has said, which is that cosplaying competitively is not really all that competitive. It seems like everybody is friends. Yeah, exactly. Um, I mean, afterwards, there can be drama online, which I tend to avoid. I just, I, I don't know. I don't like being involved in drama in the community, which I mean, there is, but I tend to ignore it. But um, it really is, I mean, I have didn't really start making friends in the cosplay community until a few years ago. And since then, it's just kind of exploded because it's such um, like everyone seems to know everyone else. And it's just really cool to meet all these like minded people that all love the same things you do and like know the hard work that you pour into it and all the blood, sweat and tears that comes with cosplay. I imagine it's easy to not go looking for that drama, but when you have such a lively online presence, you're on Twitter and you have a Facebook page with over 2,000 likes, I imagine sometimes the drama sort of lands in your lap. Has that that ever happened, and how did you deal with it? You know, I actually haven't really. I've been really lucky. Um, The fans on my Facebook page are all really, really nice and supportive, and I have yet to really get any trolls or anything. Um, I like to think that's because most of the fans on my page are also Bioware fans, and Bioware fans are awesome. The only time that I've really had to deal with trolls is like on places like Reddit or um, 4chan, that kind of stuff, where you kind of expect drama to happen. And I just try not to visit those places. Um, I, I don't really like to involve myself with it. There's not really anything you can do. Um, typically, the rule is don't feed the trolls. So I just tend to ignore it. Yeah, I've actually found the same thing on my YouTube channel. I have about 60,000 subscribers who all leave comments on my videos, and most of them are surprisingly positive. If I'm doing a Let's Play of a game... I don't get many comments from people who don't like that game because they're not the ones watching those videos. Exactly. Yeah, it's really encouraging to know that there are people out there who actually, you know, despite all the turmoil that's been going on in the online gaming space in the past few years, there are still cool people out there who want to support your creative outlets. Yeah, um, it it really is awesome. Um, Again, I think I'm 
a really lucky and I, I also like to think that there's not that many trolls out there it's just a very large vocal minority and fortunately I'm not really big enough in the cosplay scene to have attracted that kind of uh, attention so we'll see how it goes once my page starts to grow more as well I'm actually looking at your page right now and you have some wonderful photos on here do you hire a professional photographer to do photo shoots um, no, uh, typically my photo shoots are all kind of done by friends. I mean, there's cosplay photographers and cosplayers ha- kind of have this symbiotic relationship where um, one wouldn't really exist without the other. So we tend to work together and um, the photographers have fun with their hobby and the cosplayers have fun with their hobby. And it all kind of works out in the end. So cosplayers get really awesome photos out of it and the photographers get really cool costumes to photograph. And um, so for the most part, that's how I get most of my photos is I just know some really talented photographer friends that are nice enough to do it for free. Oh, that's an excellent relationship that you have. Yeah. So we started the conversation by talking about you traveling to PAX East and staying in up in the Northwest for some upcoming conventions. How do you choose which conventions to attend? For the most part, uh, it's kind of all dependent on location. I usually stay around the Vancouver area um, within driving distance. Uh, I would like to attend more conventions um, down in like California. I mean, I lived in uh, Las Vegas for a couple of years. And so I was attending a lot of California conventions around that time because it was only about a four or five hour drive from Las Vegas. I went to PAX East originally because there was a Mass Effect event going on and I am a giant Mass Effect nerd. And uh, it was basically a, um, a an event where voice actors were dressing up and cosplaying as the characters they voiced. Um, so that was really exciting. So I decided to bite the bullet and take a trip out to uh, Boston to attend PAX East. Um, but for the most part, I tend to stay kind of in my area. Um, there are some conventions I would really love to get to, like uh, DragonCon in Atlanta is kind of like a cosplayer haven that um, sounds like a really amazing convention to attend at least once. Um, whether or not I can make it down financially is kind of eh. Um, BlizzCon is another one that I try and make to semi-frequently at least. Um, again, my husband is a huge Blizzard fan and I've, um, been a fan of quite a few games over the years as well. So it's a lot of fun to go to that. But yeah, I mean, for the most part, I stick to kind of the Seattle and Vancouver area. I think you would fit right in at DragonCon. I've never been there before, but there is a YouTube channel whom I back on Patreon called Beatdown Boogie, and they do the most amazing cosplay videos from DragonCon. They make it seem like, just from watching their videos, if you're not a cosplayer, there's almost no reason to go because it seems like everybody's doing it. Yeah, I mean, from what I understand, DragonCon is basically one giant cosplay party, and um, it just sounds like a really fun place to go to. Do you choose the conventions not based just on location, but also on topic? Like there are anime conventions, video game conventions, role-playing game conventions like Gen Con. Is one topic more attractive to you than another? It really depends. I mean, I really like PAX because my interests are kind of geared more towards video games these days. Um, I used to go to um, only anime conventions. And while I don't watch a lot of anime these days, I still go to a lot of anime cons because the cosplay scene actually is typically more... um, It's typically more cosplay-friendly at anime cons. Video game conventions like PAX 
it's very crowded and there isn't a lot of cosplay going on comparatively, whereas at anime cons, they're typically a little smaller and there's a lot more cosplay that happens there. So the ratio of cosplayers is much higher at the smaller events. Yeah. And I mean, there's also a lot more um, events that go on for cosplay as well. Um, Like at PAX, everything is all... (laughs) It's kind of hard to explain. Like at PAX, it's all very, I guess, I want to say industry focused and you're trying to get to booths and there's big crowds and trying to get like navigate through big crowds crowds and stand in line while you're in costume is just really exhausting and difficult. Whereas at anime conventions, it's more fan run. Um, there's fan panels that go on. But I mean, typically it's just, it's a lot easier to cosplay at anime conventions. Does cosplaying at big events like PAX East where there are 70,000 people, does that ever get in the way of you enjoying the event? Like you said, it can take forever just to get from one room to the other when all these attendees are stopping you and asking for photos. Absolutely, but you kind of take that into consideration when you're planning your day. Um, I mean, typically, if I'm going to be wearing a costume like Arya, I don't really expect to get anything else done that day. Um, So I'll often leave like at least one day where I'm not wearing a costume at all, just to be able to make sure I can get around and see the expo hall and um, check everything out. When you're not in costume, does anybody ever say, hey, weren't you Arya yesterday? Uh, no, they don't. I'm very <laughs> inconspicuous when I'm not in costume. Wow. So it's just like completely taking off the mask. Nobody recognizes you. Yeah, basically. Wow. What a neat opportunity to just com- go completely incognito. Yeah. Do you ever feel the need to recruit, like, I don't know what you would call it, a, a, a bouncer or a bodyguard to help you get from one place to the other? Typically, when I'm in costume, I'm really fortunate because my husband um, is almost always with me. So um, he can usually, they, they're actually called co- cosplay handlers. And um, they're the people that um, basically provide support and carry around water for you and hang on to your phone and your wallet. And um, they're really, really important in the cosplay community. And I'm just really lucky that my husband is willing to help me out with that kind of stuff. And yeah, they kind of help direct you and tell people, look, you need to back off. She's got to get to, you know, X by, you know, a certain time and that kind of stuff. And they're also, he's also super helpful when like I'm wearing Aria and I can't really hear because my ears are covered. He's like, oh, hey, by the way, someone wants your photo. You should stop. Um, So he's really my eyes and ears around there. So handlers is not something that somebody would sign up to volunteer as like an enforcer at PAX East. It's usually somebody recruited from your own personal network. Yes, exactly. I guess if you're going to have somebody following you around for all eight hours, it's probably best that somebody you know. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) I've noticed, maybe this is just recently that started happening or that it's just recently that I've started noticing, some conventions are starting to post signs that say cosplay is not consent. Have Mm -hmm. you had any experiences that make you feel that these signs may be helpful or necessary? Um, I do feel like they're necessary. Um, Fortunately, I I have not had any experiences where, um, like, I haven't really had any negative experiences. But again, that's largely because my husband is almost always around me when I'm cosplaying. So I don't really haven't really had the opportunity to be uh, harassed or accosted or anything. I have had uh, friends that have had really negative experiences when they haven't had a handler around 
I had a friend that was part of a group at Dragon Con that was unfortunately groped while she was in costume. And uh, this wasn't even by a convention goer. This was just by some other person that happened to be in the hotel at the same time. And um, so I do really think that the Cosplay is Not Consent movement is a really good... It's a really good thing to just make people aware that you should ask before, you know, putting your hand around someone's waist or getting in their personal space that, you know, we are people and we might not be comfortable with that kind of thing. So what is the proper way for someone who sees a cosplayer and really admires their costume? What What is the proper way to approach them? And whether it's to pay a compliment or ask for a photo, do you have any advice for the fans? Oh, um, I mean, really just come up and talk to us. You want a photo? Just go, hey, can I get your photo? And 99% of the time, the cosplayers are going to say yes. The only reason they might say no is if they're sitting down and in the middle of eating lunch. Um, You have to realize that we're people and we need to stop and eat and drink and take rests because being in costume is really exhausting. Um, So if we're sitting down, maybe give us some space or go, hey, when you're up when you like are ready to go can I get your picture Um, but aside from that just you know go hey can I get your picture or I mean if they're already posing and there's 30 other people taking their picture then just go ahead and sneak in Uh, but yeah I mean really just treat us like human beings what about once the photo goes up online is there any responsibility to tag the person or attribute who the cosplayer is it's if you know who they are, then it's nice. A lot of people will just post up um, snaps that they took over the weekend and go, "Hey, if you know this cosplayer, let me know, and I'll credit them." Um, I mean, one of the fun things that cosplayers do after a convention is we all immediately go home and start googling for, uh, you know, who took our picture and trying to find pictures, and so that's always um, a lot of fun. But I mean. There's not really a huge uh, responsibility for that. If you have no idea who the cosplayer is, I mean, typically that cosplayer or some friend of theirs is going to find it and credit them anyway. So it's not a huge deal. But obviously, if you do know who they are, then yeah, give them credit. One thing that somebody might be inclined to do, and this is something I try to avoid, is after I take a photo of a cosplayer... I never say, hey, I'd like to put this on Twitter. How can I tag you? Or do you want me to email you the photo? Because that basically translates to, I just took your photo. Now can I have your contact information? And that's just a little bit too squicky to me. Um, You know, it's actually not. Uh, A lot of cosplayers actually carry around business cards with their contact information or um, they'll have fan pages on Facebook. Um, So one of the less squicky ways you could go about asking that is, do you have a Facebook, like a cosplay page that I can tag? Or do you have a cosplay name or a Tumblr or something like that? You don't necessarily have to ask for their email address or for their personal page. Um, Most cosplayers these days do have an online presence that you can get a hold of them. And uh, that's largely why they've got those pages as well. It's so that people can feel comfortable reaching out and talking to them without having to be like feel creepy about it. Oh, that's that's a great point. I hadn't thought of it. But you're right. I mean, you're you have a Facebook presence. Uh, my friend Mink the Seder has a Facebook presence. And with those names, I don't necessarily know anything about them. I just know how to tag them. Exactly. Yeah. What I've been doing instead is after I take their photo, I give them my business card and I say, if you would like a copy of the photo I just took, uh, feel free to reach out to me and I'd be happy to send it to you. The downside to that is 
it, they then have a business card to carry around that may not fit with their costume. Yeah, that's again where cosplay handlers come in handy. Or um, a lot of cosplayers do somehow manage to sneak like pouches into their costume somehow. But um, that is definitely a good way to do it as well. That way you don't have to feel awkward about it. But a ton of cosplayers, again, they do carry around business cards specifically so that um, they can be tagged in photos after the fact. When I'm really just gobsmacked about an amazing costume like I was with yours, I sometimes forget to either ask for a card or give one. In your case, I put the photo on Twitter, and I said, does anybody know who this is? And somebody said, yeah, that's Emma Bell. And in the case of Mink the Seder, I put the photo on my website with lots of keywords and SEO. And just like you said, she Googled herself and found it and emailed me. Yep. <laughs> so, so either of those work. And uh, she and I have since become friends, and I asked her, why would you become friends with somebody who just was a fan at the at the convention? There must have been thousands of those. And one reason she said was, Ken, look at the photo that you and I took. I can see where your hands are. <laughs> and that was something that never even occurred to me. But she said she's had issues with what she calls wandering hands. Yeah. Um, again, I'm really fortunate that I haven't really dealt with that. But um at certain conventions in particular, like um, San Diego Comic-Con, you'll often get people that go, hey, can I take a photo with you? And then suddenly they're standing next to you and their arm is around your waist and you're like, uh, I guess so. And it can it can get really awkward. So, yeah, I mean, really, it would be nice if people asked, can I put, like, are you comfortable if I put my arm around your waist? And I mean, chances are if people ask, I'd go, yeah, sure, whatever. It's fine. It's not a big deal. Go for it. It's just nice having them ask first, you know, just in case I wasn't comfortable with it. Yeah, otherwise it seems quite presumptuous. Yeah. <laughs> Have you been to San Diego Comic-Con? Um, I have once. Uh, it was back in 2013, and I was actually wearing the same Aria costume. That costume has been to a lot of conventions. I've never been to San Diego Comic-Con, but PAX East is huge at 70,000 people. I imagine San Diego Comic-Con is even huger. It is. Um, I only got the chance to go for um, two days, I believe. Kind of tickets were sold out on the other days that I wanted to go. But um, it's very, to be honest, I wasn't a huge fan of it, which is why I haven't really bothered going back. Again, it's just not very cosplay friendly. Um, I don't really like conventions that have really long lines in order to be able to do anything. Um, and again, that's mainly because I'm usually in costume and waiting in lines while you're in costume is kind of a huge waste of time and it's exhausting. Uh, so I typically don't bother going to really big conventions like that. Um, but it was one of those things where you kind of want to go at least once to see what all the hype is about. And I just decided it didn't really live up to it. Is that the same thing with PAX East, which is held in my hometown of Boston? Am I ever going to see you there again? Probably. Well, it's hard to say. I'm, I'd love to be able to make it out more often, but because it's so far, and um, especially being in Canada, airline tickets are so expensive from Canada to the U.S. that it can be hard to justify it financially, especially since I've got PAX Prime so close to me. It's, like, it's only a three-hour drive, so I can easily make it there. Um, I w I, I'm not going to say never, but it, it's hard to say. <laughs> it would have to be a really special occasion like it was last time. Exactly. Okay. I almost went to PAX Prime this year, a month from now, because I got a free press badge after the event was sold out. Mm. But my finances were such that I had to choose between that and Gamer X in San Jose in December. Right. And I ultimately decided to go to GX3. 
Well, and that's the thing is there are three PAXs now. There's PAX South as well. So really, um, they mostly cover the same kind of topics. So if you have the opportunity to go to a unique event like GamerX, then I, why wouldn't you? Right, especially with PAX East being literally in my backyard. It's hard to justify traveling across the country to go to PAX Prime. Yeah. One event I would travel to Seattle for, though, is Geek Girl Con being held in October. Have you ever been to that? I haven't. Um, I'm thinking about going this year. It's just not something that's really been on my radar. Um, again, I wasn't really in the con- in um, the area for the past couple of years because I was in Las Vegas. Uh, but it's definitely something that I'm thinking about attending this year. Since you mentioned Las Vegas, I got to ask, that is home every August to a huge Star Trek convention. Have you ever been to that one? Um, I have not, largely because I'm not really a Star Trek fan. I'm sure will get me lots of flack, but I just didn't really watch a lot of it growing up, so it's not really one of my interests. No, that's fine. I mean, not everything needs to be for everybody. I figured Mm -hmm. if you were into Star Trek, it would have come up by now. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, But it's definitely one of my passions. I mean, I love Star Wars, but Star Trek... Like Star Trek, video games, and the Apple II computer are like the pillars of my childhood. (laughs) And I've I've never been to the Star Trek convention in Las Vegas, but next year being the 50th anniversary of the original series, seems like it might be a special occasion worth traveling for. Yeah, that sounds like it would be a good good opportunity. (laughs) And based on how invested you are, Star Trek can be pretty easy to cosplay as. If you want to go as some human ensign or captain, you can just buy one of those... Uh, pajamas with feet and go to the convention. Look, I'm a commander. Oh, absolutely. Um, That is definitely one of the uh, series where the barrier to entry is really quite low. So it's really easy to cosplay from it. And if it's something that you're really passionate about, then you should definitely go for it. And if you are passionate and talented and invested, you can go as something really complicated like the Borg Queen or something. Yes, um, I have seen some really impressive costumes of her in the past. (laughs) So I have one question for you that was not on the list I sent you ahead of time, but somebody else just posted a cosplay interview, and I'm like, oh, that's a great question. I'm going to steal that. Mm-hmm. What have you learned about yourself as the result of your experiences with cosplaying? What have I learned about myself? Uh, I've learned that I am a super anal perfectionist, which is probably not a good thing. Um, I've learned to be really detail-oriented. Um I guess one of the big things is when I first started cosplaying, I was very shy and um, the cosplay community that wasn't nearly as big back then. So I was really nervous about sharing my work because I I kind of had low self-esteem and kind of over the years, I've just learned to uh, accept the the community has grown and it's become more popular, but I've kind of worked up the courage to post my work online and to share it with other fans, which is really cool. And um, I guess I've just learned to kind of open up a little bit more and not be so worried about what other people think of me online. Would you say that cosplay has taught you more self-confidence? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's funny though, because that, confidence doesn't necessarily translate to real life all the time. I can be super confident when I put on um, like my Aria costume or my Sarah costume and I walk out onto the show floor and everyone is super excited to see me and it's like, oh yeah, and it's totally fine. But once you kind of get back into real life, that doesn't necessarily translate. Suddenly the mask comes off and you have to act like you again. And it's, it's very different. 
I can appreciate that. I have a part-time job as a college professor, and in the classroom I can be very commanding, but then the opposite end of that extreme is when I go to a family reunion and I'm the youngest person there. It's mm-hmm. very difficult to be commanding in that environment. Well, especially um, I often find because I've got very, I mean, I like video games and I like anime, which is not necessarily quote, normal hobbies like sports and uh, I don't know what normal people do. <laughs> but um, so it can be really awkward trying to keep conversations going with uh, at places like family reunions. Oh, yeah. So what do you do for a hobby? I make costumes. Um, <laughs> so how do you navigate those? Do people just sort of nod and then walk away? They're actually usually really supportive and interested in it. I just often feel really awkward about it because it's kind of explaining this completely different world to uh, people that don't really know anything about it. And it's just really, it's it's interesting. Um, I've got an aunt in Toronto who was talking about how she was watching Heroes of Cosplay, which is um, this cosplay reality TV show that was airing a couple of years ago. And she was just kind of talking on and on about it. And I was like, oh yeah, okay, that's cool. Um, but she she didn't really get it. She thought it was just really odd and strange. But And it was just, it was very, interesting seeing someone with that kind of perspective perspective um compared to what i'm normal like what i'm normally dealing with at conventions but you have to give her props for trying to make the effort to connect oh absolutely yeah um it, it is really cool like i said it's just very it's awkward and i'm an awkward person so i i just I, it's it's strange to me <laughs> it's funny to think of yourself as awkward because i imagine that I was awkward when I met you. I'm like, oh my God, that's an amazing costume. Can I please get your photo? I'm like, I feel like I kind of fanboyed out over you. (laughs) But to be fair, at uh, places like conventions, that's almost expected. Like it's normal to be a fanboy at a convention, right? That's why you're there to just celebrate um, really like things that you love and seeing really cool costumes. And that's like, that's a completely normal reaction. So it's not really atypical to... uh, to see someone do that. Regarding things you may have learned about yourself, would you say you are an introvert or an extrovert? I am definitely an introvert. (laughs) And that in no way inhibits you when you put on a costume that is going to be viewed by 70,000 people and you're going to be approached by hundreds of them in a single day? You know, not really. Again, when you put on a costume, it can almost be like putting on a mask and you can be just this entirely different person. I mean, a lot of it also has to do with when you're wearing a costume, you find a lot of people that share the same interests as you. So you're dressed as a character from Dragon Age. Suddenly, all these Dragon Age fans are coming up to you and they just want to talk to you about Dragon Age. And it's this really great icebreaker that kind of just lets you start a conversation with them. And you don't you can kind of skip all the awkward getting to know you questions. You can just jump straight into whatever you're passionate about and they share the same passions as you. I never thought of it that way. That's wonderful. But it must still nonetheless be exhausting. Like after a full day at PAX East, you must just be wiped. Oh, absolutely. Um, people are always talking about like the, uh, you know, the after parties to, that they're going to and all that kind of stuff. And I'm just like, I just need to go back to my hotel room and crash for 12 hours. <laughs> so the question I have is, and we, we've touched upon this a little bit throughout the last hour, but if somebody wants to get into cosplay, like they're really passionate about video games and they want to, I don't know, 
express that in a physical fashion or they want to get some attention at an event or they want to compete or they just want to meet new people, whatever their motivation, how would you recommend somebody go about getting into cosplay? Because I, I once tried to make my own costume and I have no studio art skill. And it was, to be honest, downright painfully embarrassing, the attempt I made. And I would not do it again because it was so negative. So how can somebody avoid having that experience and have something that instead encourages them to get better and do it again? What I'll say is everyone has that really painful first costume experience. Um, I have costumes that I hope never see the light of day on the internet just because everyone starts out as a beginner somewhere. Um, that really you just want to keep going and use that as um, an encouragement to get better. My first costume was Sango from Inuyasha, which is an older anime series. And I mean, when you look at it now, it's like, oh my God, did I really wear that? <laughs> but I mean, you just keep practicing and you get better. So really you should just go for it. Um, and don't let that stop you. Like, don't be afraid to make mistakes you're always going to make mistakes. Just kind of pick yourself up and keep going. Awesome. Thank you. And, and you already told us which conventions you're going to be at soon. Which costumes are you going to be showing, if you don't mind spoiling that? Um, I'm not really planning on making any big costumes. Uh, I'm probably going to be wearing Yuffie from Final Fantasy VII, which is one that I already have. Um, I'm going to be wearing a couple of Dragon Age costumes as well. Um, probably my Sarah and Cole costumes. Um for PAX, I'm actually going to be bringing out Aria again because we're um, I'm part of this group called the Azures of Afterlife, and in Mass Effect, there is basically there's a uh, a club, um, and my character Aria is kind of the person that runs the the club, and um, there's also a bunch of dancers, and the Azures of Afterlife is basically a group of people that dress up as these uh, alien dancers. And so I'm hoping to make an appearance at their uh, photo shoot dressed as Aria, which should be a lot of fun. So is it at all a hint or a tease that your Twitter name is currently Emma Ball Z? <laughs> um, I have been really obsessed with Dragon Ball Z for the past couple of months. Um, it was one of the first series that kind of... it. it kind of introduced me to geekdom um, between that and Pokemon back when I was about 14. And um, it's been just a really big part of my life ever since then. So I've been uh, rewatching the series the past few months and um, just been getting really obsessed. There's a movie coming out that I'm really excited about. There is a new Dragon Ball series that's currently airing in Japan that I've been watching. And so I, I am working on some Dragon Ball Z cosplays as well. Um, I'm not sure when they're going to be finished. If I can get them done for uh, Anime Revolution in August, I'm going to try. But if not, then I, I won't be wearing them there. Um, but yeah, I'm... Oh my goodness. <laughs> Sounds like you're really excited. I am. That's awesome. Well, I look forward to seeing those photos online. Emma, it's been wonderful chatting with you. Can you remind our listeners where to find you online? Yeah, so I am on Facebook as Emma Bellish. Uh, I'm on Twitter as Emma Bellish. Really, you can find me just about anywhere as Emma Bellish. I've got Tumblr, Instagram, um, any of those ways you want to get a hold of me, feel free. Excellent. Well, again, thank you so much for chatting. Uh, I've, I, I'm so in awe of cosplayers, the work that you do isn't just for your own enjoyment. It makes the event better for everybody who attends, and I just love seeing cosplayers at events. So thank you so much, not only for this past hour, 
but also just for all the time you put into your craft. Everybody appreciates it. Oh, thank you very much, and thanks for having me. This has been Polygamer, a GameBits production. Find more episodes, read our blog, or send feedback at polygamer.net.